Business Matters starts now. Hey, good evening, Business Matters. Very, very, boy, what a crowd, what a crowd. Very special event. We got Congresswoman Susan Wilde. Thank you so much for being with us again. My Let's pleasure, Tony. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. I know we have a lot of legislation you and I would like to talk about, but inquiring minds want to know Harris, I mean, Washington, crazy times, to say the least. Uh, I'm thinking on the way over here, half the country, uh, you know, it's time for a change relative to president. Half the country, this is a witch hunt. They'll never get enough. This is, I mean, and I, I saw your statement, which I thought was very even fair. Your thoughts on where we are? Well, my thoughts on where we are is that um, we have to approach this in a very responsible, uh, rational way while not losing sight of what people really want, which is change in their everyday lives. Um, I think people are much more interested in bread and butter, pocketbook issues. Um, certainly that's what I hear on the on the ground when I'm home in the district, mm -hmm. which is frequently. Um, so I, I try very hard to spend my time in Washington working on things, particularly in my education and labor committee. Do you wish we could get by this or uh, do you think, first of all, do you think it's appropriate what's going on now, at least uh, the this early stages? Are you I think an inquiry is appropriate. I would like to see it get resolved expeditiously. Um, I'm a little concerned that it's going to drag on, not, um, and I don't, I don't blame it on anything. Uh, I, you know, we're seeing a little bit of stonewalling by the administration. That's going to make it go, go longer, and I think that's problematic. But I think we really need to get this behind us and continue working on the things that we all went to Washington to do. <laughs> do you hear what I hear on, on the Democratic side? Time for a change. Enough of this guy. On the Republican side, you know, this is a witch hunt. You know, it'll, the Democrats will never give up. If it's not this, it's something else. I hear a little bit of um, everything from both sides. Mm -hmm. I hear from Republicans who told me they're co very concerned about uh, particularly the most the latest developments with the uh, phone call with the Ukrainian president. Um, I hear from Democrats who say let's be very calm and measured about this and are not particularly you know anxious for us to to go after um, the president in a big way. So I, what I, it, but remember, I'm in a, I'm in a very moderate district. Yes. I'm in a district of people who want to see very dignified elected officials. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we've seen that over the years. They want to see people who, who do their job and do it well and don't get caught up in palace intrigue. Yeah, so you're, yeah, I, know that, I know that even when you were running, I thought uh, your thoughts on there were the question was Kavanaugh impeachment. I think you said, look, this was after the uh, hearing. It's time to move on. I don't want to go back. And I think when talked about uh, gun control, which we'll get to later, use some common sense. So I get the sense you're trying to sort of find that balance uh, with in terms of your constituents. And I guess I want to ask you, with the pressure from the Democratic leadership, do you feel that in terms of the balance here? I don't feel pressure really from leadership at all. Um, I The nice thing about having been around the block a few times, as I have, um, is that I, I really adhere to my own, um, what my, my own moral core tells mm -hmm. me to do. Gotcha. And um, so I'm not so much balancing things as trying to be my own true self. And, and that, but that does tend to be a fairly moderate person. Yeah. Well, hey, this is going to be a great show. You want to stay with us? We're going to talk about more of what's going on in this country and in Washington, D.C. Be back. Business Matters. You're watching Business Matters because if it's business, it matters. Want to enjoy the show on the go? Subscribe to our podcast. Go to www.wfmz.com slash business matters for more information.
Now, back to Tony Ionelli. Hey, we are back. We are back with a very special guest. Very, very special. So I'm going to get the policy, but I was begged to ask you one last question. That is, the, the, the squad, uh, as a fresh freshman congresswoman, uh, interact with them? Are they, uh, you describe them from your perspective, having met and now working with them. Well, uh, Tony, I have to tell you that I pretty much know everybody um, in, co in Congress, believe it or not, 435 members. There are very few I can't name when I see them. Um, I like to say that there is a squad in Pennsylvania and it's the four women who were elected last November. Um, I think we really represent the core of the Democratic caucus, the majority makers in Congress, um, what our values, what we stand for, and the kinds of things we're working on. Okay, so that's a very good point. So, as someone said, uh, I talked to someone yesterday, as a matter of fact, I told us about the interview, uh, who is very prominent, actually has a relative who is a prominent uh, uh, Democrat, uh, saying that this um, you know, the impeachment and so on is in fact playing to the Republican side, to the president, that that uh, that we should stay focused on issues. But uh, your thoughts on that, and then we'll get to issues. Well, I, I tend to... I mean, do you think the D's are taking this too far, uh, particularly the far left portion? Well, you know, the thing is, the far left is not what governs what happens in Congress. Um, I'm not suggesting that they aren't listened to, They're, but, you know, it's a big party, te yeah. big tent party, and we have people from all walks of life. We have people from very conservative districts, people from very purple districts like mine. Um, so we tend... Those, pe those of us who are from the purple districts really tend to sort of be the ones who guide the direction that things are going in. And unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily make cable news ratings, um, yeah. it, the, the everyday hard work that's being done by people. So let's now talk about legislation. And okay. there's so many issues out there. I'm sure you're glad, happy to do that. First of all, I want to talk about jobs and uh, and wages. And I think, number one, you, you're you uh, very, uh, uh, you're pro-union, pro-labor. I am. Uh, and your thoughts are to, to bolster uh, the middle class. Uh, you, your thoughts on that and where we are in the income gap? Well, let me just say first, you mentioned jobs. You know, we're, we're at pretty low unemployment rates. I, coming back to the district, what I hear from uh, manufacturers and employers all over the district is they don't have enough of a workforce. Exactly, I'm hearing We've it. We've got to make sure that the people who aren't employed, the, the few people who aren't employed or are underemployed, are having getting access to these good jobs. Mm -hmm. So I hear from manufacturers who tell me they have half a dozen or more jobs paying more than $20 an hour that they can't fill. So a big part of my focus, I'm on education and labor, a big part of my focus has been how do we develop our workforce? How do we get people trained for the jobs of the future, keep them trained as our technologies keep changing, and make sure that peop all people are able to enter this workforce that is working for so many people, but mm -hmm. not for everybody. I am a pro-labor um, official. I believe that the uh, the labor unions have built this country. I think they built the backbone of the middle class. They're the reason, you know, everybody's heard it. They're the reason we have weekends and some paid time off and, mm -hmm. and sick leave and that kind of thing. Um, and I do think they, the, the other thing is that labor unions have traditionally done a really good job of training workers, probably better than the rest of mm -hmm. us have. Yeah, the apprentice program and yeah, so on. Yeah, the, their apprentice yeah. programs are something to be modeled on. Well, I hear about that. So talking about education, college debt. I mean, I, you know, we have a lot of young people working for us at the chamber, young people I talk to carrying fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars mm -hmm. in college debt. It is tough to chase the American dream when you have that kind of debt. Any thoughts on where you are with that? Yes. So on education and labor, we are working right now on reauthorization of the Higher Education Act. Um, we 
which I believe would go a long way towards um, helping students with student loan debt and, and help them from accruing quite as much debt. I'm not at liberty to talk about the specifics of it yet because it has not yet been publicized, but I believe we're gonna see an increase in Pell Grants, we're gonna see an expansion of Pell Grants, not just for people in four-year degree programs, but also people perhaps going for certification programs at a community college and that kind of thing. I think that's really important because higher education is not necessarily a four-year college education. It's anything beyond yeah. high school. And studies are very clear that any amount of higher education will help a person get ahead in life and earn higher wages. How do you feel, let's shift from domestic to foreign, how do you feel about where we are relative to our foreign policy, particularly in the Middle East, when I think of Israel, what's happening in Syria, uh, your thoughts on, on where we are uh, and your concerns? Uh, well, I do have concerns. I'm also on the Foreign Affairs Committee. I was asked to be on that committee. I'm honored to be there. Um, I have concerns that we are not the ally that we used to be. I've been to Israel recently. I've also been to Germany recently. Mm -hmm. um, I went both times as part of official trips. The trip to Germany was with a group of Republicans and one other Democrat, and we were there to talk about workforce development, but we got a lot of feedback um, from our counterparts in Germany about their concerns that they can no longer count on the U.S. to be an ally. That, to me, is a dangerous place to be. And With, who do you lie? Do you lie at the feet of the president that, uh, that his policy has been inconsistent? What, what I hear from people abroad is primarily that they feel that the administration, not that they can't trust him, but that there's a lot of inconsistency mm -hmm. in positions and that, that they can't predict where we are going with our foreign policy. And I sympathize with that because I think we have a hard time predicting where we're going with it. <laughs> do you, on the, on the other flip side of that, Israel, do you get the different sense that they feel that this president has sort of gone the extra mile to be supportive and have and too far from your perspective? Or how about our policy? Well, I was in Israel and some yeah. people obviously feel that the president has been very helpful to Israel um, in many ways. I, I think this administration has been. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of putting one's finger on the scale of foreign countries and their elections. Mm -hmm. I think there was some of that going on before the recent elections in Israel. I guess we're going to have another set of elections in Israel um, from what I'm hearing. Um, but, but yes, I, I would say that the president's approach to Israel has been one of supporting the country a great deal. Um, and we, as Americans, are supporting Israel in many ways. Um, Israel has very unique challenges in terms of its geography and um, its place in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, physical sure. location in the world. Um, so I think it's important to be an ally to Israel. I just think that we also have to be cognizant um, of other people. Maybe another example of foreign policy. So I was recently in Turkey. So the, I heard the same thing. Uh, question, we're there for the United States, not always so much for us. This was actually the previous administration. So now we got the situation in Syria relative to the Kurds mm -hmm. and Turkey. It's a strange mix, support of the Kurds, but yet the, but yet uh, we, we have allies to, uh, in Turkey. So your thoughts on that? Well, that, that is what just happened in the last couple of days is really sort of, a, 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 it's exactly what's wrong with our foreign policy right now, that it's very unpredictable, that things happen without consultation with the military, without generals who know what's on the, going on on the ground. Um, from every, by all appearances, our withdrawal from Syria was done um, without consultation with anybody other than Erdogan. And um, that to me is, is really of great concern. Um, I, we have essentially abandoned 
Mm -hmm. um, the Kurds, who were very, very strong allies to us in the fight against ISIS. Back to Washington. When you're in Washington and these things happen, is it sort of an environment of, did you hear what happened today? I mean, are we kind of, is that where we're at in this new universe? Uh, you don't really need to ask some, you know, people don't have to say, did you hear what happened today? Because, of course, we're all subject to our phones and breaking news sure. alerts and that kind of thing. So we're all pretty much aware of everything at the same time. Um, the problem is that often our agenda changes from whatever we were supposed to be working on to something, particularly on foreign affairs, that is directly responsive to changes in policy that we weren't anticipating. Great uncertainty. All right. Great show. Stay with us. Business Matters. Congresswoman Susan Wilde will be back. You're watching Business Matters because if it's business, it matters. Want to voice your thoughts on this week's topic or guests? Sound off on social media. Use the hashtag Business Matters TV. That's hashtag Business Matters TV. Now, back to Business Matters. Hey, hey, we are back. Business Matters. Congresswoman Susan Wild. So I want to talk about a couple issues that are very important to you, because I want our people to, to know you. Uh, and that is, again, I think from a policy standpoint, you, uh, you've just said it. You kind of recognize that this region is a balance, and, and I think you're trying to achieve that balance. I, I'm, I'm trying very hard. I think I, I don't have to try terribly hard because I think that it suits me and my personality and the things that I believe in. But yes, I'm very cognizant of the fact that we are a purple district. I'm, I'm very fond of saying that I think this district is much more like middle America than it is like New York City, even though we are a lot closer to New York City than we are to, say, Ohio. Um, but this district to me represents the heartland of America. So the things I think you would like to work on pres prescription drugs, that's an issue with you. That, that's a pres a, an issue that is a winner for everybody if we can get prescription drug prices down. And, and where, where, where does that come from, from your perspective? Who, 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 whose fault is that? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to, I don't see the point in assigning blame. I will say this. The fact that we don't negotiate Medicare drug prices is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's the single largest um, government health program in the country, and yet we don't negotiate with pharmaceutical for, for those drug prices. And that's where it all starts. We need to, ha the government needs to have some leverage over the pricing of pharmaceuticals. We need more transparency. Um, I talk to people about insulin, the price of insulin, every single day. Not a day goes by that I don't hear about, about somebody's insulin. And, you know, we haven't changed, I shouldn't say we, the pharmaceutical industry has not changed the formulary mm -hmm. for insulin in decades. And yet the price keeps going up. So there's no good, there's no correlation. It, they can't say it's new R&D or, you know, th new things they're doing that cause the price to go up. It is literally based Profit. on supply and demand. It's people needing insulin, and the prices are going up for no good reason. So you're saying when a drug is a, a very needed drug, a hot market drug, the price is going not, up? You and know, not always. Antibiotics are incredibly cheap, and a lot yeah. of people need antibiotics. But insulin, insulin is something that pe the people who need it need it every single day, and it's a life-saving drug. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, Second Amendment, your thoughts on that. I know your position during the election. Has that changed? Well, your position is now. I don't think my position's changed at all. I believe in the Second Amendment. Um, I'm not here to take away anybody guns. I don't think that that is a part of the Democratic agenda, mm -hmm. notwithstanding advertising to the contrary. Um, and I, but let me tell you what I do think. I think that we need to have mandatory background checks. And 95% of America agrees with that, including members of the NRA. Mm -hmm. um, I think we really need to make sure that people like domestic abusers or extreme risk individuals 
don't have access to guns. Um, you know, people talk a lot about mass shootings. Mm -hmm. You know, when a school or a church or a synagogue um, that gets shot up obviously makes a lot of news. But the truth of the matter is most of the gun violence is happening on a much smaller scale. It's happening in homes. It's happening, you know, by a domestic abuser or an aggrieved employee or something like that. Um, and background checks would go a long way towards towards helping that situation. We did a show last week, just where we are, uh, uh, on mental health. And I know that's an issue. And I know what you went through personally. Uh, how, how are you doing, first and foremost? And what are your thoughts on mental health and, and where you would like to see us go with that? Well, let me just say, for the benefit of your viewers who might not know what I went through, my partner commit, committed suicide in late May. And I say that very openly and because I think it's important for people to talk about. And, and you didn't see that coming, is that I did correct? Not see, I did not see that coming. Um, it was the last thing in the world that I expected. Um, but I felt very strongly, not immediately, immediately, but after I gave it some thought, I decided that it was something I really needed to talk about because I have a pl public platform. And if people with a public platform don't don't talk about these sure. very difficult issues that have been stigmatized for generations, um, then who's gonna talk about them? And I will tell you that since I started talking about it, that's the other subject that I hear about all the time. People whose child or sibling or husband or wife has committed suicide or parent. Um, but not, it's not just about suicide, it's also about mental health care in general. We have yet to achieve parity in this country between physical health and mental health. Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, the example so I you can discuss use, it, if, I'm sorry, I'll let we you have, take the We have to be discussing it. I always say, if you had a, a terminal illness or a very you know, life-threatening illness, and you needed treatment for it, you would go to your employer. Mm -hmm. You would not feel any shame about doing so. If you were seriously depressed, suicidal or otherwise, the chances that you would go to your employer and say, I need some time off to, to get some help, are almost nil sure. because there's such a stigma associated with it. Did you feel, Susan, with, you know, with as busy as you are, did you feel like, I wish I could have been there? I wish I, I mean, there's gotta be, because we talk, you know, what you're left with is the emotion. There is no question that um, every person who is left behind after a suicide um, is questioning themselves and wondering what they could have done better. What could they have, how could they have helped the person? Did they not, um, was I not enough to live for? Um, he, his parents are still alive and they're in their 90s and you can imagine um, how they feel. So uh, that you can't help but feel that way. A big part of coming forward was to try to help the people mm -hmm. who are in the same situation I, I'm in um, to deal with it. And I'm, I'm still learning how to deal with it myself. Climate change, you, yes. where are we with that? And from your perspective, I mean, we hear a lot, again, from say what, what people would say would be the far left on some drastic measures. You're more balanced on that. Uh, we hear from the far right. It's an evolution, it's, it's what happens. It, you know, it isn't, uh, it isn't, well, isn't man-made. I think to say that it's just something that happens is to deny science, gotcha. first and foremost. I think we have to do something about it. Um, young people are, are yelling for us to do something about it. I have two kids who are in their 20s. I'm deeply concerned about their future and hopefully someday my grandchildren's future. And um, so, yes, we've got to do something. We've got to do something quickly. Um, I did not sign on to the Green New Deal. I will tell you that um, I think it's a wonderful statement of aspiration. And the best thing about the Green New Deal is it forced everybody, particularly elected officials, to wake up, take notice, and start doing something. Mm -hmm. I am the co-chair of the New Democrats Coalition um, Task Force 
on climate change. One of my fellow members is a climate scientist who's in Congress. So um, this is, it's not a shabby group by any means. Um, and we are working on very hard on market-driven solutions to climate change. Um, Carbon Dividend um, Trust Fund Act is one which would actually incentivize and already does incentivize the market to to find the solutions to climate change. I'm a big believer that industry will do the right thing. Sometimes they need a push. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's a regulatory mm -hmm. push. Sometimes it's just a public opinion push. Um, I'm so impressed when I go around the district and visit manufacturers at the things they've already done to, to, to be environmentally friendly. Would we, we be surprised how much pressure you got to sign on to the Green New Deal? I mean, did you have pressure to, yes. to get on this? I still get pressure to sign on to the Green New Deal every day. And you're thinking independently. Day. A lot. A lot, a lot. Yeah. All right, we'll be back for the final segment. Business Matters, stay with us. You're watching Business Matters, because if it's business, it matters. Miss an episode of Business Matters? Catch up online. Go to www.wfmz.com slash businessmatters to watch the most recent episodes. Now, back to Tony Ionelli. Hey, we're back. Business Matters, we are back. Congresswoman, we don't hear talk about the debt. We used to hear a lot of talk. Does that concern you at all, that we have a lot of programs relative to spending, but our debt uh, the, in terms of this country? Uh, I think it should concern everybody. Um, I, I, I made no secret about it last year that I thought that giving a massive tax cut to corporations and the 1% at the end of 2017 was a bad move. Um, we reduced our income dramatically by mm -hmm. doing so. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I think that we have to cut waste wherever possible. You know, it's not waste, but it's an issue. Medicare, as I mentioned before, we could save money just by negotiating drug prices under Medicare. Um, we don't do it, but that is one way that we could reduce our spending. Um, so, yes, I think it's a concern for everybody. So in the couple of minutes I have left with you, uh, who gets the Democratic nomination for president? You know, that's a very good question, and I don't know who I think right now. Mm -hmm. I don't even know who I particularly like for it right now. But I will say this. Um, I've said this over and over again. This district, every presidential candidate should be swinging through here. And, and even though we don't have a primary until April, mm -hmm. this is the biggest swing district in the biggest swing state. Mm -hmm. And we have yet to see a presidential candidate here except early on when Bernie Sanders came in and did a town hall. They, if they want to know what middle America is like, they need to come here and place. talk to the voters here. Yeah. Where, so in a couple of minutes remaining, where are you? Because people want to, this impeachment thing is on constantly. It's on everyone's mind. Where, where are you, do you think we'll go from here? I mean, it's hard to predict, but where it's, are you? It's very hard to predict because I don't know what the administration's reaction will be. I don't know what the testimony will be. I'm a lawyer by trade, as mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'm a big believer in waiting to see where the evidence leads us, and, and so it's hard for me to say. What you see so far, do you have you have concerns? Well, you've read the... Well, I have concerns. I've read the transcript of the, uh, the, the summary transcript of the phone call itself. I have read the whistleblower complaint, every bit of it that wasn't redacted. And I will tell you, those those alone gave me great concern. Uh, when I asked you earlier today, um, you get to talk with the former congressman, Charlie uh, Dent, because it reminds yes. me of a Republican version of you on the Democratic side, sort of that balance. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Charlie was exactly the kind of um, elected official that this district 
expects mm -hmm. in terms of not being a flamethrower. Um, you know, no hair on fire. Um, I think I am the same way. We have different ideas about policy mm -hmm. for sure. But I consider Charlie to be a resource. I've never called him and not had him take my call. I see him occasionally around Washington. In fact, I've been thinking this past week as I was home that I that we're overdue for to get together for dinner and talk about a few things. Your thoughts on P Speaker Pelosi? Doing a good job? Uh, have tough Speaker balance? Speaker Pelosi has a very tough job. Um, she she's got the toughest job of anybody there because. Our Democratic caucus is so diverse, and she has to respond to all of them. I have a district that is, you know, is a certain way, but she's got to be dealing with members of Congress who are from all different kinds of districts so, and keeping everybody happy, frankly. When Beto says, we're coming for your guns, do you think, oh, my gosh, can can we get a little more to the center on this from your perspective? Well, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have made that statement by any means. I don't have that belief. Um, but... It, Speaker Pelosi has the job of trying to keep moving us forward. Mm -hmm. And that's the important thing. Moving forward and trying to do things that will not um, polarize our country further. We've got way too much division in our elect in our political system. And too much and in to our accomplish. Government. And I, I really do believe the only way we work and, and move things is by working together. They're telling me 20 seconds. Your parting thoughts. My parting thoughts are, first of all, that I absolutely love the job. I am honored to be there. Um, I consider it to be a tremendous responsibility and honor to represent the people of this district. And I hope that they believe I'm doing a good job. And that's, and that's really all that matters to me. Uh, Susan Wilde, it's always great to be with you. Thanks for what you do. Thank you all for being with us. Don't forget, if it's business, it matters. We'll see you all next week.